Well, hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Joe Galati podcast, broadcasting high above the Texas Medical Center in Houston, purveyor of all things related to the liver, health and wellness, nutrition, food and cooking, and all-around doctor banter and witty repartee with our experts that visit us. Our website is drjoegalati.com. If you'd like to send me a note, subscribe to our newsletter, or even see me as a patient. If you want to call and be part of the program, dial us at 888-438-9431. And now, on with the podcast. Well, a good, good Sunday to everybody. Dr. Joe Galati. Always wonderful to be here. Your radio is tuned in to Your Health First. We're here every Sunday between 7 and 8 p.m. to be part of the program, which is what we want you to do. This is a two-way street. I talk to you and you talk to me. Our website, drjoegalati.com. drjoegalati.com. That is me. Uh, By day. I practice liver disease and digestive uh, disorders that uh, I take care of. And on the weekends for, oh gosh, almost 19 years, we've been here on the radio every Sunday, raising your health IQ, as I love to say. That is our mission. And of course, go to drjoegalati.com. Now, coming on in just a few minutes, Dr. Jaime Gomez He is a cardiologist in Brownsville, Texas, way down on the southern border. Lots of news about the southern border lately. But Dr. Gomez has a marvelous cardiology practice in Brownsville. He was trained in Houston at the Texas Medical Center. And his approach to heart disease is a little unusual in that he looks at the patient. He looks at all of you from an inflammation standpoint. He'll go over that, I'm sure, in more detail. But he considers his practice an inflammation clinic. And so stay tuned for Dr. Jaime Gomez. His his, uh, his website is jaimegomezmd.com, jaimegomezmd.com. You know, the last thing I I, I want to get into here has to do with a little bit with COVID and and really some of the frustrations that we've had with with COVID, which I know all of you are frustrated. And I, I would say that when you look back at the story of COVID, One is going to be the sheer number of deaths and the illnesses and the longstanding injuries that developed in in so many millions of people here in the U.S. and around the world. It wasn't only the number of people that lost their lives. Now, we all remember from the early and middle stages The people that got hit the worst were those with underlying chronic medical conditions, the heart disease, the the COPD, the cancer, the renal kidney failure patients, the patients with cirrhosis, the people with weakened immune systems. And then we got into vaccinated or not vaccinated. But I I think that the, the messaging 
was so difficult in that, and I understand that this was and still is a very, a very liquid issue that's in flux. We learn something new, we have to change our approach. Something that we're doing today is no longer valid. We get rid of it and we install another plan of attack. I, I guess the issue was there were so many things that we knew about, but somehow the message got buried in all of the noise related to COVID. Everybody was contradicting each other. The left hand didn't know what the right hand was saying. Do we believe the government? Do we believe local officials? Do we believe people that have absolutely no street cred to believe? And I think that is where we have to, you know, a lesson learned is that we have to have some sort of a centralized, unified voice on what in the world we have to do. And I think that that miscommunication led to a lot of people just not believing anything, and that certainly turned out not to be a uh, you know a good a good scenario. So anyway, just a few thoughts on a Sunday night. All right, I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Don't forget, go to drjoegalati.com. That's our website. Sign up for our newsletter. Dr. Jaime Gomez from Brownsville, cardiologist, is coming up in just a minute. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Don't forget, go to drjoegalati.com is our website. Sign up for our newsletter and learn about what we are doing. And as I said earlier on the program, we're very pleased to have Dr. Jaime Gomez. He is a cardiologist down in way down south in Brownsville, Texas. Dr. Gomez, thanks very much for coming on the program tonight. And it's a Pleasure to talk to you about heart disease. Oh, thanks! Thanks so much for having me, Joe. I really appreciate it. Well, I, I would say there's never enough discussion uh, about heart disease, considering uh, the amount of people that have heart disease. And these numbers are nothing, nothing new to a cardiologist. It is the leading cause of death in men and women and people of most racial and ethnic groups in the United States. So this is an equal opportunity type of disease. And one person dies every 36 seconds in the United States from cardiovascular disease. So it's a major problem. So for those that may not be familiar with uh, you and your practice, JaimeGomezMD.com is your website. Why don't you just start off by telling us about yourself, where you're from, your training, and what kind of practice you have now? Oh, thanks. I, I'll, I'll just go be brief about it. Um, you know, it's 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 funny how that question comes up with the, what kind of practice I have. It, and I think after the the pandemic, this probably happened with you. My practice is very different now. 
but one of the, you know, I always tell patients in my practice that, that, that you don't want to be in, in all of my practice. You know, you want to, like I have this, uh, I, I'm an interventional, sometimes I play an interventional cardiologist, right? I go right. To, the, to this cath lab and we do all this really sophisticated work, kind of, kind of, you know, kind of like, like you with the liver transplant. And it's a lot of fun for us. We use a, a lot of technology. That's a, that's a, a portion of, of my, um, my practice that I, that I do. And then, of course, there's a lot of consulting work where people just ask me questions about complex problems. So they just want to, they want to know what it, you know, you know, imaging, or they want to know about what the heart or what the, or blood vessels. They, they want me to test the blood vessels. Uh, and then I have uh, another practice that's primarily just teaching people how to avoid me, how to avoid me, uh, how, how to not get to meet me in the cath lab at two in the morning. Uh, and I have, and, and I've, I've developed a, a, a practice where we teach people how to optimize their health so that they don't uh, need to rely on, uh, you know, pharma or, or, or me to tell them what to do. You know, it's more of a, uh, of a wellness practice. And, and, and I didn't always start off that way. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm classically trained. I'm an allopathic doctor. Uh, I, I grew up in South Texas. I swore never to come back here, and, and I ended up back here, you know, about 15 years ago, 16 uh-huh. years ago. I trained in, uh, I started off in Dallas, and I went to medical school in, uh, in Houston, and I was in the, in the medical center. And I, I think that's where I ran into you a couple of times. That, I know, when you were probably just a little bit junior than you, than you are now. Yeah, yeah, it was a, a, I, I don't forget a face. I remember seeing you probably ground rounds or something. At, uh, and, uh, and I was in, in the medical center for a good 12 years. I did, I did my medical school there, and then I, I, I went off to internal medicine. I, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do, so I ended up doing internal medicine, which is perfect, right, because you kind of do way too many things. And then I started focusing a little uh, bit later in my career in cardiology and then endovascular surgery, you know, interventional cardiology. And, and uh, went into private practice. Uh, it, it was kind of the thing I didn't want to do, but I ended up doing it out of necessity in the last 15 years. And I came down to South Texas uh, to the hotbed of uh, metabolic syndrome, obesity, right. and, and diabetes. And, and here I am. You know, I'm, I, I've uh, I've been here for you know over 15 years, and and uh, um, and, and and really, really have enjoyed my uh, being here, but but it's a very challenging uh, environment to, yeah. to work in. Yeah. Well, I you know, for everybody listening tonight, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to visit with Dr. Gomez in Brownsville, and very impressive clinic set up, his staff, and the, in, in a sense, you want to say the brand of medicine that you practice, the, the quality is very, very high, and... What you said just a couple of minutes ago, you are really committed to prevention, preventative cardiology. And I, I, I don't know how many of us in practicing medicine really gear their entire practice to prevention. And not, not to, uh, you know, certainly name names or compare to your colleagues, but our is there a big movement within cardiology, cardiovascular heart disease, to stress prevention as much as you are? You know, that's a that's a great question to the to, to audience uh, listening in tonight. I I wish it was more. I, I I would. That's why. That's one of the reasons I was very surprised to talk to you, Joe, because you're 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 kind of in the other you're. You know, you're in the liver, right? And and I, I never get to talk to you. I, I've never heard of a, of a hepatologist that's into prevention. I thought that was amazing. I, yeah. I, I didn't know you guys existed. 
Cardiologists, I think we're, we, we, we're, there are a few more of us doing prevention, but not enough, certainly not enough. Uh, it, is, it is one of these things that is market-driven, and as you know, we, we make money with you, when you are sick. Right. And that's how we're trained. We're trained to take care of, of in fact, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, we are not into health. I tell my patients, we're, look, I am not into health care. If you come to see me as a cardiologist, as an interventional cardiologist, this is not healthcare. This is chronic disease management. Right, right. What surgery do you need? What what uh, what medications do you need? There's no prevention in it now. So I have to, as you, we have to learn prevention on our own. We have to kind of become aware of the problem, and then and then seek a solution. But it's 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 been a uh, and 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 I drank the Kool Aid, you know. I came out of yeah. pri- you know the private practice and giving everybody every all the medications, all the procedures, and thinking I was doing a great job. And all of a sudden, I keep getting the same patients over and over. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with this? You know, this this paradigm is. And then I got sick. You know, all it, all it takes is for you to get sick or a family member to get sick, and then and then that really teaches you a lesson yeah. about well, the paradigm. So that's. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, no. What I was going to say is, if you look at the the industry in a sense. The billions of dollars that are spent on new technology to treat the disease, imagine if you took a portion of that to prevent the disease. What what a state we'd be in. Oh, it would be yeah, it would be a different a different healthcare system. I mean I I can't tell you how many when I was doing my interventional fellowships and I mean we we have tremendous support from industry. And I'm not and I'm not bashing industry. I mean they're doing you know, they're they're trying to make money, I get it. Uh, and, and but I I didn't know what a carbohydrate was. I didn't know right. what a what a healthy fat was. I didn't know what a healthy sleeping you know pattern pattern was. I didn't know how people got sleep apnea. I didn't know anything about lifestyle. Nothing. Well, uh, so go ahead. Yeah. Well, what you know the one thing that you told me when we were together a couple of weeks ago is that you really believe that your practice is an inflammation practice. And I really do think that that hits so much of what we see today on the, on, uh, the nail on the head, uh, because it is inflammation that leads to serious heart disease and blockage of the arteries, and inflammation is what leads to cirrhosis. So explain to everybody with the lens of a cardiologist what you mean by an inflammation clinic. That's a great question. Thank you for asking that. So everybody listening tonight, and I suppose your audience is probably pretty sophisticated folks. Um, inflammation, you know, when, when I was in training, I mean, we, we throw out this word inflammation all the time, right? But, of course, you never learn how to really measure it in training. And everybody, throw, it's kind of like throwing out the word consciousness. Like, what is it? Right, right. What is, what is, what is it? We talk about this inflammation. Just, we talk about, you know, if you go a little further, we talk about our immune system. Our immune system does things without our consent, right? It just takes care of you throughout your life. It doesn't mm-hmm. ask you for permission. It does things. So part of that mechanism of that protection is, from, a, from my perspective, from a cardiologist's perspective, as I see patients, most, I would say even 80 to 90% of what I see in my office is just inflammation gone awry. So patients have had chronic inflammation for a very long time, and now they are presenting with what's called a chronic illness. You know, call it what you may, rheumatoid arthritis, you might call it lupus, you might call it coronary artery disease, you might call it uh, uh, depression, you might call it something. You know, it, it'll, it'll come in all sorts of flavors. 
But when you look at the, at, at the patient, overwhelmingly they have chronic, this, this tremendous inflammation that, that, that hasn't been addressed. Of course, because it's very lucrative to kind of treat all the little individual symptoms. Right, right. And, and that's, that's usually where we, where, 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 where we go, right? If you could hold that thought for a second, we are going to uh, take a break. I'm Dr. Joe Galani. Got a little bit of uh, laryngitis tonight. I feel fine. But do go to our website, drjogalati.com. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Every week, we are trying to raise your health IQ one listener at a time. I'm Dr. Joe Galati, and you're tuned into Your Health First. Every Sunday, we're here between 7 and 8 o'clock, and our mission every week, every week, is to make you better consumers of health care. And if you've been listening tonight, we have Dr. Jaime Gomez of Gomez Cardiovascular Clinic in Brownsville, Texas. I had the opportunity to visit with Dr. Gomez a few weeks ago. He's got a very, very nice setup, great staff. And uh, we are talking about cardiovascular disease tonight, a topic that should be very near and dear to everybody. You know, the one, the one topic to really throw the hat in here is obesity. And if there's one thing that is the fuel for inflammation, it is obesity. And as I like to say, obesity really takes no prisoners. Uh, It affects your kidney, your heart, your brain, your liver, your joints, your emotions. So where does obesity fit in within the practice of heart disease, both in trying to prevent heart disease, and treat it. Now, obesity, I mean, down in the valley, I would say it, it, the paradigm here for obesity is, is fascinating. We call this the valley, you know, the South Texas. But yeah. the, the, it, it's become actually normal down here to be obese. Uh, it, we're, we're actually in, 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 a, uh, in a place now where, where I don't think people actually understand what obesity is anymore. Um, it, 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 it's part of the milieu right uh, just kind of like having a touch of diabetes is part of the milieu everybody right. has a touch of diabetes and that's considered normal uh and and of course obesity you know and, and I've, I've thought about obesity obesity i agree with you it's it's a it's a significant it, it is a a major major factor in, as a cause of inflammation in many patients but i also have seen that it is also uh it can be a symptom it can be right. a symptom of, of something else uh, but but certainly it is it is a, a, um, uh, an epidemic and you know there, there's no outrage about about uh, obesity which I think is is amazing especially with children we see obesity with children and there's not an outrage with that. Now with with that said, because we are seeing more and more chronic liver disease in younger people, I don't see children per se, but I I do see more and more teenagers. Are you seeing more younger people? With real heart disease. Oh, absolutely! Uh, just a few weeks ago, we we uh, we were, we had to do a uh, one of one of my specialties is, is high risk 
revascularization. And what we're doing is basically taking patients that are very, very ill. And, and typically when I was in Houston, that was an old, that was an old population, very old, older patients. But here down in the valley, we're seeing 30 year olds. Uh, occasionally we'll see a, a, somebody in their 20s. Right. Uh, certainly a lot of patients in their 40s and 50s undergoing very high risk kind of a revascularization. Uh, and I'm talking people with, with uh, uh, that that are turned down for surgery because their 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 hearts are that bad, right? And they're not just they're not quite ready for a transplant, and and, and it's not something a transplant is not necessarily a solution for these patients, at least not immediately. So, and, and we see that in a very very young crowd, and and it's usually you know tied together with obesity and, and this diabetes or metabolic syndrome, or, yeah, you know, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, and and you know you diabetes. you know you you talk about outrage, and Maybe we're a little too pie in the sky, but where is our, in a sense, the political class saying, look, my constituency is, let's just say, 30% people under 30 years old, and they are being just slaughtered with cardiovascular disease, diabetes, kidney failure, need for dialysis. And you would think, this is just me, and I know you'd probably agree, where is the outrage to say enough is enough? We need to fix this. It's it's almost crickets when you when you listen to them. No, I agree. I agree. There's not enough, and it has to do with awareness. Uh, patients aren't aware that, that, that it's a problem, and doctors doctors are not aware. Um, that, that's why you know one of the things that woke me up because I, I can't you know I, I can't be a, a kind of. A, a hypocrite either, right? Because I mean, I, I, I'm in the system, right? Uh, I'm making money off of, you know, illness. Uh, right. And how do you know, how am I aware? How, how did I become aware? Well, I got sick. That's one of the things that happened to me. I got sick. I developed uh, uh, arthritis, you know, when I was 40. Yeah. And uh, really, really aggressive arthritis to the point they wanted to replace one of my, one of my ankles. And I thought, why am I, why in the world? Am I a 40 year old man? I have a, I have a medical doctorate. I went to all these doctors, including some very prominent doctors, and they all told me, well, you know, you have arthritis. It just happened. I'm like, yeah. what? What do you mean it just happened? Yeah, I don't what want it to happen. Talking? But I'd ha- I had to become aware of, of the issue. Uh, uh, otherwise, you just you, you end up on this little, you know, uh, you end up in the system, in this mill, right, where you just procedure after procedure, medication after medication, and, and not really any answers. Just symptom management is what you end up with. Yeah. Now, tell for for everybody that's listening. Um, a lot of people want to hear new technology, and um, you know, again, I think we agree that more money and energy and effort and awareness has to be on the prevention side. But if you get sick, uh, the new technology that you and others around the country are taking advantage of, some of it is just absolutely amazing stuff. Oh, absolutely. We we have. I mean, that is the the, the kind of the positive note of, of where we're at right now because we do have, you know, we need some we need more awareness, but we do have some brilliant minds right in this country in this world that, that have come up with some brilliant solutions. For instance, for inflammation, like one of the things I, I never fathomed that I could bring somebody into my office and tell them that they had endothelial dysfunction, that, right. that, that their blood vessels were were were. were were ill or were not working appropriately without invasive testing. I never, I could never fathom. I could never fathom that I could tell them that they needed bypass without actually doing a, an invasive study or that they needed a stent without doing an invasive study or at least show them that they're, they're going down the wrong path and they're, and, and they're developing uh, coronary artery disease. 
uh, with that. So we, we have excellent uh, technology at this point uh, in the outpatient setting to, to tell patients. We can even tell people about inflammation in an outpatient setting, even without, uh, without blood. Uh, there's there's artificial intelligence uh, algorithms that can, that can do that, and uh, and don't ask me to explain how they work right. because even the companies even even the companies won't tell you. You know when you ask them, we just have some really bright people that have that have designed some some incredible technology. Yeah, well that's good. Now um, as as we sort of wind up here, I've got a couple of questions, and uh, this this uh, sort of comes under the rapid fire uh, question and answer. It seems like everybody is on a baby aspirin. And uh, I'll ask people, say, you know, why are you on a baby aspirin? Who told you? And they'll say, well, I, I saw it in Reader's Digest. I should be on a baby aspirin. What's your opinion, uh, pro or con, uh, risk yeah. or no risk to a, to a baby aspirin? And a lot of people will say, well, hey, Dr. Glott, it's only 81 milligrams. It's only a baby aspirin. It's not going to yeah, hurt I, you. I, I could, so what, I what's your hurt. take? Well, I, I tell you just a quick little story. I, I had a, a 44-year-old uh, prominent dentist with that attitude. He started himself on baby aspirin, and uh, he had a subdural hematoma in a, in a few in, in a couple of months. Right now, talk yeah, talk English he, on subdural hematoma. Yeah. What is that? So, so he, he he basically bled into his brain. He had right. A, he had a he had a you know you don't call it not necessarily a stroke, but he he had a, a head injury. It was a very minimal head injury during some at the gym or something, and he bled into his head. He did not need any intervention, but it certainly woke him up. And, and, and we talked about aspirin. Obviously, it, it's aspirin is neither good nor bad. It is a tool. You know, it's kind right. of like a scalpel. Everything is just it's just a tool. In, in the hands of a trained surgeon, a scalpel is a wonderful tool. Uh, but if you don't know what you're doing with a scalpel, that's not going to pretty help. deadly. Uh, yeah, it's pretty. It could be deadly. It could hurt. You, it could hurt you. So aspirin's no better than that. Uh, it can be used, obviously, for low-risk patients, but I think most people, if they get their inflammation under control, most people are not going to need an aspirin. Now, that you know, that's an individual basis. Talk to your doctor, that kind of disclaimers. Right. But I don't, I don't just dish it out, you know, in the, in the office. Hey, everybody, just get an aspirin. Yeah. That's really what they're, what people are trying to do. They're trying to decrease inflammation, and they're trying to use. And of course, it comes from plants, right? There's nothing wrong with using plant medicines or, or these these drugs, right? Right. But but they're not they're not the solution for the for the the the, the wave and the, and the tsunami of inflammation that we have in this country. Right. And, and you know the funny thing is, and this is human nature, where people will have absolutely no qualm about taking an aspirin, but tell them to change their diet, changing their diet and putting on a pair of sneakers will probably help their heart more than the aspirin, but there's resistance to that. Absolutely, uh, and, and, I, and it's amazing. I mean, it, it, it's, just, it's not just telling people the facts, right? I mean, I'm sure you have patients, they know all the facts. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you, have do- you, have, you know doctors that know all the facts, and they just don't do it, right? Well, what's, it's not an issue of, of knowledge at this point. There's something else that's deeper. Uh, that is the problem, and, and you know it's on an individual basis. But I, I, I find that seldom to be the problem. If people don't know that exercise and eating well is good for you. Right. That's usually not not the issue. Yeah. No, they know they know what to do. And I guess the last question, which is something I've I've always been fascinated by, is the fact that women with heart disease or women that may be having a heart attack present a little bit differently than men do. They may not have the classic crushing chest pain that radiates down their their left arm and a lot of the times 
women will sit at home for hours and hours, only causing more damage to their heart. So what do you tell the community? What would you like to say tonight for women if they have a little bit of a funny feeling in their chest? Yeah, for the, for those women uh, listening in tonight, I think women women are tough. They are they are just so incredibly strong and, 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 and resilient that they they perceive pain differently than men. Uh, and that's I think that's what we're seeing for the most part. So I would say any woman, uh, especially any any woman over over uh, past menopause over fifty five, if you're you should not be having any pain in your chest should not be having any shortness of breath. Even minimal symptoms uh, can, can, in fact, in this country, one of the most common presentations is sudden death. Uh, so if you have a symptom, it's, it's a blessing. Go, go right. ahead and, and get checked out. We, we have the technology to not harm you and get a diagnosis and to be able to help you. Find somebody that's reputable and knows what they're doing and, uh, and, and go from there, even with minimal symptoms. Yeah, and, and and I think sitting at home is not the answer. My mother, bless her heart, she used to say that's the ostrich syndrome where you would just stick your head in the sand and make believe you're not having pain or an ache or whatever it may be. And so, again, the value of this kind of a program with you, of course, is awareness, don't be afraid to come out, get checked out. That That, that I would say you'll never be wrong to to take that approach, wouldn't you say? Yes, and, and you said and you you said the word. People are scared to, to be valued. You know, I don't blame them. We it's it's scary to be, to 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 get into the medical system. You know, if you've ever been sick and you get into the medical system, you realize how how, how terrifying it is. And so people are scared and they just don't want to come see us. That's what one of the things that one of the passions we've had in our practice, just to make it as easy as possible. Safe as possible, easy as possible. People will get in, at least get a diagnosis. If, if, if they don't, if they want to get a second opinion, at least now they have, you know, a path that they can go through, rather than just take a chance with with, with a heart attack on their own, you know, at right. home or wherever they're going to be. No, 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 for sure. Well, uh, this has been a great uh, opportunity tonight. Uh, if you're saying, well, who the heck is uh, Joe Galati listening and talking with tonight? Dr. Jaime Gomez, his website, JaimeGomezMD.com. You're, you're supplying your own music, I guess, in the background there. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Sorry, it's all right. It's, it's live radio. Uh, Gomez Cardiovascular Clinic is the name of the practice. Uh, I would really say, Jaime, you have an oasis down in South Texas in Brownsville. Very impressive clinic. And what I would say to end off now for everybody tonight, what would you say to keep your heart healthy, try to avoid heart disease. What's that nugget of information to share with everyone tonight? Listen to your radio show. <laughs> I think, I, or, or you know, I'm, it, it, it sounds, it sounds uh, it, uh, uh, like I'm being facetious, but no, but really find yourself a mentor, a good coach, a good health coach. And you know you're doing a somebody like you, Joe, that's doing this, you know, a public service like this. Yeah. Find yourself. That's what I would tell somebody. Find find yourself somebody that knows because it's impossible to know everything, and 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 help them help you. You know, and I, I think uh, that would be a start. You know, you could you could find a, a, a somebody a, a celebrity, somebody like you. There's just so many books that are fantastic about health that that uh, that, that would be a good place to start. Oh, I would agree. All right, Doctor. 
Jaime Gomez, thank you, thank you so much for coming on tonight. And without a doubt, we need to get you back on soon. Thank you. I would appreciate that. And this was fun. Thank you so All much. All right, Jaime. Good night now. All right, the final segment of Your Health First is coming up in just a few minutes. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Thank you for tuning in this evening. Don't forget, go to drjoegalati.com and sign up for our newsletter. Thanks again to Dr. Jaime Gomez. Always great chatting with him. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Final segment of this week's Your Health First, Dr. Joe Galati. Hope you enjoyed hearing from Dr. Gomez down in Brownsville. Um, you know, he gives a very, very good perspective on how to approach your own health, the prevention of cardiovascular disease, and inflammation. It really, it really is key. And the one, the one thing that he said, which I appreciate him saying that. When I had asked him, what is the, I think I said, what was the one message to leave with everybody tonight on strategies for good health, disease prevention, and you know, really staying out of the system, staying out of the healthcare system as best you can. He was very kind, and he said, listen to your radio show. Now, I, I take that as a, a compliment, but the the key thing is you, you as the consumer, and we always talk to our patients as if they are consumers, which you are. You need to become a, a, uh, a student of wellness, a student of food a student of cooking and a student of exercise and a student of early warning signs and symptoms of a disease. Like anything else, if you want to get good at it, you have to study. you got to crack open a book. Nowadays, we would say listen to a podcast or listen to the radio or read a magazine or read a book. And so that really is a very good approach to your wellness. Follow somebody that you trust. And I like to think that we are here trying to give everybody honest, straightforward, filtered out health and wellness information. We're not selling anything here. The only thing we're trying to do is keep you well. So I think what you need to do is really for you and your family, take stock. Where am I getting my news from, if any? on the health and wellness front. Now, you have to be aware, there are a lot of people out there that are trying to sell you something. They are selling a product. And this goes back a million years. There are people trying to sell snake oil, thinking that it's going to cure everything from baldness to bad breath, all in one pill. But you do have to be 
to be careful. So with that, hope you enjoyed this installment of Your Health First. Our team, we love putting it together. We love being out here on a Sunday for our great listeners and followers. Do go to our website, drjoegalati.com. Follow up, follow with our newsletter. If you sign up for the newsletter, it dials you into everything we're doing. If you don't like it, unsubscribe. It's, uh, you know, this is America. We're able to do, uh, you know, whatever you want. So we do encourage you to do that. Uh, We'll be back next Sunday evening. Thanks for listening today to our podcast. Don't forget, for more information, check out drjoegalati.com. Information about my book, Eating Yourself Sick, is available there, as well as our clinical practice, radio program, and social media links. We need you to be part of our tribe and community. Until we meet again, I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Ciao.